Okay, anytime you're ready. Hit it. I'm Carol Pittner from Childfire, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Beer with Jeff Smith. Hi, this is Doug Nordman from The Military Guide, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Beer from Jeff Smith. Whoa! I like that. You guys could be rock and roll DJs. All right. I got a face for radio. (laughs) Me too. Head too. All right, I'm going to hit stop, and I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Victoria Lyonsky. How did I do? Lyonsky. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome A to plus. the show. A plus. All right. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How is it going today? It's awesome. How are you, Jeff? I'm so excited to be here. I'm well. Uh, Everything's going great. Nothing to complain about. That's what I'll say about life in general. Okay. (laughs) So you are at buyvictoriaL.com. So talk a little bit about what you're most excited about in your business today. Okay. Well, I am genuinely very excited about my business because, you know, particularly right now, we are going through this very interesting time. And, you know, it's a very sad historic. time. It's a very hard time. It's historic. It's sad. Yes. Historic. But at the same time, so many of us are forced to do what we genuinely are not doing. Right. So many yes. of us all of a sudden are no longer sitting staring at their computers all by themselves. And right. now they're staring into their computers because they're going live. All of a sudden, so many people are on live streams. So many people are talking to other people through Zoom. And the problem with this is that for a lot of people, particularly introverts, this is not their ideal environment. They do not want to be exposed to so much public speaking and then bam, all of a sudden, all you're doing is public speaking all day long because (laughs) that's how it is. And so the reason I'm so excited about what I'm doing is because I've been there I totally get it myself. I'm an introvert. I mean, I actually, you know, people think I'm an extrovert because how I show up, but I am very much an introvert, very much. And I've been myself terrified of public speaking. So I totally get it when people just do not want to be exposed to public speaking, when they don't feel comfortable, when they feel judged. And so I love that I'm able to help, that I'm able to help overcome that fear of public speaking and become a confident speaker and I can help pretty much anybody who experiences it because as hard as it is to overcome your fear at the same time it's also easy so once you're there once you're no longer scared of your audience you will never be scared of your audience again and so that gives me so much satisfaction and you know just seeing the results that students get and yeah I love what I do Congratulations. That's it's, it's awesome to be. So you were able to take like, you know, a, a big, strong fear, right? And turn it into, you know, a strength, not only a strength, but a business and your, you know, big part of your life. So I, me, I've, uh, I've had like that, the opposite end of what you're just talking about. <laughs> right. So everybody says like the, the number one fear that you know most rational humans have is this fear of public speaking right they they even mm-hmm. usually rate it above like the fear of death and spiders it's like no no i i, I know i'm gonna die but get in front of people and talk no way <laughs> um and then spiders i don't know why spiders are scary but uh, but for whatever reason um for me i i think it's like the same time a superpower because that fear that's naturally there in ordinary human beings, not there for me so much. I don't know why that happened, but I don't know if that's a lucky thing or it's gotten me in horrendous amounts of trouble. (laughs) 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 And at the same time, I think, you know, 
it's a good thing too, because, you know, now I'm a podcaster and I love talking to people and that's why I do it. But, um, yeah, it, 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 not having that fear can trip you up, especially when you're young and stupid and in the air force. <laughs> you know, my oldest son is exact opposite of me in terms of being introvert, extrovert. Wow. He's very much extroverted right, and right. he just talks to anybody and he can just talk, talk, talk. It's yeah. like, come on already. Right. <laughs> it's like, you can't yeah. talk Shut so up already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I wasn't going to use that, but yeah. <laughs> I, I've been that guy, the loud drunk guy. I've been all, all those guys. Yeah. But yeah, you are extremely lucky. You are so lucky. And I think yeah. it's because you are very extroverted. And, Probably. you know, that's that's why you don't have this fear. But mm. yeah, for the most people, we are not that lucky. I, You know, when I was growing up, and I bet you, you know, like if we were growing up together, like you and me, you would be talking up a storm to every right. grown up you've met probably. Right. And I couldn't even speak up. Like I would, yeah. if I had to ask something from a stranger, like, you know, in directions or anything, just ask a stranger something. Right. I would, I would stumble. I would like, you know, my mind goes blank and I, yeah. I, I blush, go all crimson red. It was horrible, you know, and, sure. and being in front of an audience. And then what happened is when I was about 10 years old, I, and I was growing up in the Soviet Union, by the way. Right. You were so, in Moscow, right? I was in Moscow, yeah. Wow. So it was a completely different environment. And culturally different. Culturally, yeah. And that what caused the biggest um, uh, terror of my young <laughs> okay. life All is right. <laughs> I was at a pioneer camp and they had a big concert one evening. And that afternoon, uh, the organizer of the concert comes up to me and says, okay, Victoria, so I have, we, we have this poem that somebody needs to recite. So you're going to be that person. Here is a poem. And yes, it is three pages long and I don't care, but you're going to learn it by heart before tonight. And you're going to recite it from stage. Oh my and God. And you're like, and, well, and you, you know, <laughs> well, okay, you're growing up in, in Soviet Union, right? You don't go like, what are you out of your mind? No, you go like, oh, sure, I'll do it. Thank you. Gotcha. Quite an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and I so was here's blessed. this thing that I really don't want to do. And I have to say, yes, I really want to do that. That sounds awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Well, and, and you know, the truth is, I, I really was blessed with really good memory and still am. Okay. So I kind of looked at it and I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. So I literally sat down and for the next three hours, I was reciting the poem and I got it down. I was mm -hmm. so proud of myself. So you mesmerized it in go. three hours. Wow, that's pretty good. Three pages. Wow. <laughs> and then, of course, the concert begins and I'm like backstage all stressed out, keep on going through the poem in my head. And then I walk on stage and I'm by myself. Okay. So it's a solo <laughs> performance wow. on top of everything else. I'm by myself in front of a microphone, huge audience, about a thousand people, oh mainly goodness. kids, some adults. Yeah. And I'm looking at them and I'm realizing that I cannot remember a single word. My heart is racing. My 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 knees are buckling. I'm all shaking. I'm all sweaty. My mind wow. is completely blank. Like I'm experiencing every single symptom of fear that everybody experiences when they yep. are afraid of something. And I'm you got staring. the butterflies in your stomach. Let's. Oh let's... no, I didn't have butterflies. I'm sorry. I had rhinoceros <laughs> probably running around my stomach. It wasn't butterflies. I was past butterflies a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm just staring at that audience Palms and I and, and they, uh, yeah yeah and, and they're like giggling because I'm not saying anything sure. and then I'm like okay Victoria come on get the grip and so I finally say the first line and as soon as I said that I realized that was a wrong line <laughs> then I really stopped talking <laughs> and now everybody is truly laughing out loud at me and I just I just ran off stage I just ran off stage wow. I cried oh, no. and after that. You know, in all honesty, I did not want to see a microphone ever right. in my life, ever. So Wow. So you, you had like a, a, a purpose-built, like phobia built I, right there in that <laughs> moment. Yes. Absolutely. So not only were you just like a normal human being who has a natural fear of talking in front of a big crowd of other people, that's, that's normal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then you had this horrific experience <laughs> as a <laughs> no. child when you're very young. Wow. Okay. It's, Lovely. You know, it just feels it just feels so funny now. But I remember this moment so vividly, and yeah. I remember seeing microphones after, and like immediately my heart goes like, 
I'm like, no, no, I don't want to see a microphone. I, and it's natural, right? It's normal. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So when, when now that I'm a public speaking coach, I can honestly tell you being a public speaking coach was not my lifelong dream. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you, um, you were lucky in a way, in the, in a way, all of that bad kind of, you know, that horrific experience (laughs) that created like this lifelong fear of doing the thing that you're now doing for money was a good thing (laughs) in, in retrospect. I don't know. No, (laughs) I don't know. You know, no, maybe not. I I think, (laughs) I think the only reason is that I even started working on overcoming my fear is because I sort of was forced to, you know, maybe if I, my life went a different way, if I did never started my first business, I probably would still be afraid of public speaking and not speaking at all. But I, I moved to the U.S. Uh, when I was in my very early 20s. Okay. And I started my first business in my mid-20s, and that was a web development company. Yeah, you're a nerd like me. Yeah. I am a nerd like you. I'm totally yeah. a nerd. I, <laughs> and I love nerds. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. So I started my business, and, you know, I'm going to totally date myself. That was 20 years ago, okay? Right. So back then... You know, we didn't have the luxury of sitting on a computer and, you know, sending an email. Uh, well, I guess, no, we could send an email, but we Kinda. couldn't, like, Yeah, but nobody had Zoom. email. Right, right. It was, it was a very, it was AOL, you know, was all the craze. It was right? dial-up. Dial-up. It was still dial-up. And I, I, so I didn't have the luxury of hiding behind my computer. If I wanted to grow my business, I actually had to go and physically speak in front of people, right? To speak so that I can gain clients, so sure. I can gain credibility and, and get some publicity and all of that stuff. So I realized, okay, I am afraid of public speaking, but you know, everybody says, just go do it scared. So I have to, I don't have a choice. Okay. And so I wow. started doing it and I was practicing and doing it. And, and of course, you would you 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 think where I'm going with this is that I practiced long enough where I overcame my fear. No, that didn't <laughs> no, no, that did not. <laughs> that happen. didn't happen. Practice no. does not make perfect. Practice actually does not make you a better public speaker, which is, which is right. not what people huh. think. Right. I think what practice does is just reinforces those mistakes that you keep on making when you are afraid of public speaking. And so I was practicing and practicing. I wasn't getting any better. I was still as scared. Mm. I was trying to do it, you know, the whole thing. You're just sort of pushing through the fear and getting better at pushing through the fear instead of making the fear go away. Exactly. You're so right. Yes. Totally, totally, totally on point. I was just trying to appear confident on the outside when on the inside, I felt like a total fraud. I have a story that's going to be relevant to your situation here. So when I was, remember we were talking about me being in Japan mm-hmm. when I was like 18, 19, 20. So uh, uh, the Air Force has this talent show, right? I know, uh-huh. right? All the military uh, <laughs> services have a talent show. So mm-hmm. um, one, of, I think two of the categories were uh, c- comedy, right? Mm-hmm. So sort of like a, you write out stand-up comedy kind of thing. And then uh, Master of Ceremonies. So that's the guy that stands there with the microphone and introduces the next act kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just a time filler guy and uh, doing like basically improv, right? (laughs) And waiting for them to tell you when to put on the the next guest or the next Uh whatever guy, act. So I did really well at the Master of Ceremonies MC thing because Mm -hmm. that to me was... I didn't know this when I was 18 or 19 or however old I was. I was very naturally just comfortable with nothing to do in front of people. <laughs> right? I, I was. I was just like, oh, look, I have a microphone. There's a spotlight on me. Look at all these people. And I don't have, there's no plan. Everybody knows I'm just winging it right now. And I love that. Right? I could <laughs> oh do gosh. that. I, yeah, I know. It's like that, that weird gene that says, Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's totally weird. <laughs> I know. I know. Right? So then, okay, compare that to this sort of like Jerry Seinfeld. I had written out some jokes, right? And uh-huh. I thought they were going to be awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And I learned that that's 
like an incredibly uncomfortable thing for me to do, which doesn't make any kind of sense. Hmm. Right. I know. I didn't feel comfortable at all telling those jokes so much so that I told them all and I still had like seven minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh, you rushed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I wasn't very good at, I was good at being an extemporaneous speaker. Very comfortable yeah. with no sort of net. Just go out there and be a goofball and come out and see what happens. Right. In that scenario, totally comfortable. Right. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. Okay. Go tell these jokes for five minutes. Uh, uh, okay. 30 seconds later, they're done and nobody laughed. And then I walk off the stage. <laughs> so I learned that about me, you know, that like if I were to try to do stand up comedy sometime, I basically, <clears throat> I think the strategy is, is you have, in order to be effective in, on stage in front of a, an audience, you just have to be comfortable, whatever you're doing, right? You have to yeah. be comfortable first. You can't be up there and go, oh, I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> if you're yes. there, you've lost. <laughs> that was yes. the point of the story, right? No, and it's, you, you're so right. I mean, I'm, I'm just so happy that you said it because a lot of times, you know, we all hear this advice, right? Fake it till you make it. We hear it right, all the time. Right, right, right. And a lot that of people think sometimes, it, but... You know, with public speaking... Not people, public speaking, maybe? No. Yeah. When people take it to heart, what happens is that they're like, okay, I'm just going to pretend to be who, somebody I'm not. I'm just going to, oh, right. I know this guy, Jeff, and he's like so confident on camera or whatever. I'm going to pretend I'm to just, be him. I'm going to pretend to be Jeff. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Look and then you try, yeah. yeah, you try so hard to be somebody you're not all this while knowing that you are faking it. And so on the inside, you feel extremely uncomfortable. You feel like a fraud. Right. You're projecting this confidence. But at any point of time, that, that projection can crack. And the, your yes. audience is going to see that you are just faking it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they see that you are not genuine, particularly you know, nowadays, you cannot be faking it. It's just not that time. Right, right. Um, you, you just can't. And right. so as soon as your audience sees that you are faking it, that you are not, you're trying to be somebody you're not, the, that whole rapport that you were able to build to that, with them in those few minutes that you're on stage, it just melts away and all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you ruined everything that you worked on. So fake it till you make it really doesn't work at all. Um, when you are not trying for public, to be a public speaker, no. yeah, it's because, not going to help you really get over anything. No, no, you're going to no. continue going there. You're going to continue faking. You know, it's interesting. One of the people I spoke with, she, this lady, she was in a corporate for her whole career, her whole life, and so for the last ten years, she's been doing presentations every month. She's been doing some sort of a presentation, and the reason she was speaking to me is because she's afraid of public speaking. Right. She has been practicing for 10 years and she's still feeling extremely uncomfortable. She's never actually fixed the problem. She never, she's never fixed the actual mindset of fear. Right, right, right. She continued putting things on top. You know, I'm sure her presentation is much better than it was 10 years ago. I'm sure that, you know, she engages with the audience much better. Right. But at the core, she's still... Afraid. still Afraid, she's mm -hmm. still uncomfortable, she doesn't mm -hmm. enjoy it one bit. And the truth is, and I'm sure you know, when you are comfortable on stage, when you are not afraid of your audience, when you are at ease, yeah. in control, right. it's so enjoyable. It's hugely fun. Yes. It is fun. It is it so is. much fun. And yeah. and for me to say it, it's, you know, I'm listening to myself saying it's fun <laughs> and thinking back at that 10-year-old girl who's like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> you know, I was as I was eating breakfast today. Right. I was thinking about you and your I was reading your website mm -hmm. and I was trying to remember a time in my past where I was really, really afraid of being on stage in public speaking. And the mm -hmm. closest thing I could come the first thing, the first thought I had wasn't an actual experience. <laughs> it was a bad dream. Right. Of oh, my gosh. <laughs> me singing the national anthem and just bombing completely. Oh, right. So yeah. that, but that actually never really happened. 
<laughs> and the other thing that I that came to mind was sort of bombing on that when I that that first story. So mm-hmm. and I didn't really bomb. I just left. <laughs> I, I was kind of like you when, when with, with the little girl, but I didn't do so poorly. I told my jokes. Nobody laughed and went, okay, well, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should have put it on them. You should have been like, okay, guys, you're just not a very good audience. You don't get it. Bye. <laughs> well, I already knew I was like, I, I, by the time I got to the end of my written stuff, I had a choice there, right? Not really uncomfortable, but just didn't have any more material. And, mm. and I knew if I started winging it, I would probably get in trouble because I had already gotten in trouble. For <laughs> <laughs> I would reach into the R rated bag really oh. soon. <laughs> right. And which was totally inappropriate. So, um, I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to get off the stage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cut my losses here. <laughs> right. Leave on a high note, even if there isn't one. Um, so, but it made me think that, that, you know, even though that was probably the most uncomfortable I've ever felt on stage, I wasn't really, didn't have that like nauseous <laughs> kind yeah. of feeling. I did have that when I, like when the first time I was in a musical in mm-hmm. high school and you were a singer. Wow. Well, yeah, kind of, not really. You know, I was, you know, Men- Menominee, Michigan, good singer. How's that sound? <laughs> well, no wonder you had a dream about singing national right. anthem. You see, those dreams never enter my mind. I don't say. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I um, it was the opening night, and I was like Little Abner in a play called Little Abner. Okay, so mm-hmm. that was a high pressure moment. So every mo- every kind of fear. You know, the belly thing and the hand yeah. sweating and the whole thing. I had all of that, right? And mm-hmm. I go up there and and I do my my first song and I get to the end and I don't know what I did, but I, I made a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. And right at the end of the song, I, 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 I did the cardinal sin of uh, being on stage as an actor where you're just always faking it. Yeah. I sort of like broke character and said under my breath, like clap, clap, clap. I screwed up or something like that. Right. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. And like, and then, uh, and then, and then the audience clapped. Right. It was like, what just happened? Cause they didn't even <laughs> know. They didn't even know that I had made a mistake, but in my mind, everybody knew. Right. And I just, ah, I had that moment of just, you know, regret and blah, blah, blah. And it just sort of slipped out. Right. Yeah. And everybody in the show, everybody comes to me backstage and says, you can never, ever, ever, ever do that. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll never, ever, ever do that. You know, that is, that is so funny that you broke the character, but you know, what's interesting is that what reminded me when you were telling the story is when your audience started clapping, they actually had no clue that you made a mistake. No idea. And here is the thing, um, a lot of the fear of public speaking comes not just from being afraid of your audience, which is first and foremost, you know, we're afraid of audience judging us. Right. But the second biggest thing is we're afraid of making a mistake. And I always tell my students, and so what? Exactly. And so what? So let's say you are speaking. uh, So let's say, like in your situation, you made a mistake that the audience wouldn't have noticed because it wasn't something that they would have known. Right. So you're speaking and let's say you forgot to make a point that you were supposed to make. Right. But your audience does not have a script yeah, of your they speech have no in idea. front of them, right? right? They're not going like, oh, Jeff just missed that point. What? <laughs> My goodness, right? They don't judging have that. You down now. Yeah, judging you down now. <laughs> That's right. And I'm going to so, scowl at you. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to scowl at you for the rest of the presentation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they don't know. So right. what you need to do is if you make a mistake that's not noticeable, you just continue going as just, if nothing just push through it. happened. Yep. Yeah. Nothing happened. And if you later down the road, you can insert that point you missed. Great. Good for you. Go right. for it. Right. If you cannot, Who good cares? for you. You didn't fall apart. <laughs> Keep matter. on going. It really doesn't The main matter. thing is not to fall apart right. because your audience doesn't know. So, of right. course, the next question is, what if they do know? 
What if it's something very obvious? Let's say, like my big fear on stage. <laughs> you won't even believe it. But if I'm 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 very tall, I'm five ten, and whenever I'm wearing heels, I just don't wear them often enough. So whenever I'm wearing heels, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna stumble and fall. And so when I'm on stage, if I'm in, I'm always trying to have to have like a cowboy boots or something like something that has no heel. But if I'm wearing heels, that's what I'm thinking in the back of my right, mind. I'm right. gonna just fall down. And guess what? It did happen. I didn't fall down face down, but I stumbled. stumbled. Yeah. I totally stumbled, which I thought was hilarious. But I knew what to do. And that's what I'm telling my student. This is what you do. You make a real stumble, you know, physical stumble. You make a, a, a figurative stumble and your audience notice, notices. So what you do is, number one, you don't fall apart. Number two, you laugh about it. Yes. You laugh about it. You laugh at yourself. Yes. Yes. You fix the mistake, whatever it was. So let's say, you know, in my case, I just, you know, stood up and I'm fine. Right. Or you fix the mistake, but you say, let's say you mispronounced the word. You can get it. You know how sometimes you speak and you cannot get the word out of your It never mouth happens to me. Just... Never, ever, never. <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> you are so lucky. Anyway, so, no. so let's I'm say you mispronounced. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, so union mispronounce something. You laugh at yourself. You make a joke about it, mm -hmm. and then you fix it, and you keep on going like nothing happens. Right. And and what? And as a result of this, you know, a lot of people think, "Oh, I'm going to make a mistake, and my audience is going to hate me." Now they're going to think I am really, you know, I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. But the truth right. is, when you make a mistake and you laugh about it and you continue going as nothing, as if nothing happened, right. you become that, so human in their eyes, right? It's so relatable. They're yep. like, oh my gosh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And you're staying comfortable yeah. because as soon as you make a mistake, you can't help but feel like, oh, that's the end of the world. And you, that self-talk is going off. But as soon as you laugh it off... Especially if the audience is in with you on that laugh it off kind of thing. If you can get some sort of, even if it's just a chuckle, right? Yeah. Um, then you're going to be, you're going to be better. You're going to be more comfortable. Have you ever seen those shows where like some celebrity survivalist guy, um, Bear Grylls, takes some other celebrity that's not a survival guy or a special forces dude? out into the wilderness in a helicopter and then makes them scared overnight. Have you ever seen this <laughs> no. show? It's awesome. Okay. You need to see this show. So he'll take out like, um, oh, oh, I can't remember any of the celebrities now. <laughs> <laughs> None of them survived. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, Drew Brees is a famous quarterback, football player. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he took a guy like Drew Brees, very famous football player, uh, place for the New Orleans Saints, and he made him scared. But it doesn't really matter. That's not the point that it was Drew Brees. But it, you, lit he makes it a point to have them literally afraid they're going to die at some mm. point in the show. Okay, and they're not because you know he's got all the safety things hooked up. But that does, just because you have the safety stuff doesn't mean you don't think that you're going to die. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> when you get done with that thing, right, mm -hmm. when you, when you finish the scary thing and you're on the ground and the guy's laughing and you're, you have this, like, you can see it. It's universal. Every human that like survives something that they were convinced they were going to die and yeah. then they don't, mm -hmm. then they get really happy. <laughs> <laughs> All of the hormones in your brain are going, yeah, la, 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 we're not dead. Isn't that really awesome? <laughs> you know, and you get this rush, you know, of good feeling. So you can actually get that on stage, right? When you screw yeah. up, you think you're going to die, and then you don't. La, la, la. <laughs> Suddenly, Ode to Joy is playing in your head. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because if as long as you stay in the mindset that it is not about me, they're not judging me. It's it's about my audience. And as long as you stay in that mindset, those little things are not going to trip you, you know, literally again or figuratively. You yes, you make mistake, you continue going. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and he said, you know, I was and he's a professional speaker. 
you know, really great. But it happens to everybody. So he was doing a presentation and he somehow got on a tangent somewhere and he forgot where he started. He completely forgot. He was gone. He was lost. He was somewhere else. And right. so he stopped. He looked at his audience. He laughed. And he said, guys, do you remember where I started with this? Because I certainly don't. <laughs> and of course, the whole audience just dies right there. Because, I mean, he's like a professional speaker. So they all right. start laughing. And then, of course, somebody from the front rows is just, you know, screams at him, tells him exactly where he was. And he's right. like, oh, yeah, thank you. And he keeps on going. <laughs> And the truth is... Where was I? Where was I? Where, where was I? Where but you see... No, person, really. Where was I? <laughs> a person who is afraid of public speaking would never be been able to play it like this, right? Because right. somebody who is in a position where, oh my gosh, they're judging me and I'm trying to fake it till we make right. it, but I'm failing anyway. All of a sudden you forget where you were. This is it. You fall apart, right? Right. But when you know that this is not a big deal, when you're in this mindset where... It's okay. It's right. okay. It's okay, okay to be. Let's see. How many humans do you know have never made a mistake? Zero. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> and so you and and but you know what's really interesting is that if he, if he, if that guy did exactly the same presentation without making that uh, where, where did I get lost? Can you remind me? Right. Compared to making that mistake. I guarantee, and there has been scientific research, I guarantee the audience would vote that the presentation with a mistake was better Yes. than the presentation without a mistake. And this is very important for everyone to right, remember. Right. When your presentation, whenever, whatever you're talking about, your talk, your, you know, your podcast, whatever it is, if it's really good, really good, and then you make a mistake, they like you more. Yep. Because of that mistake, because it makes you human, it makes you relatable, it makes yep. you not like semi-god, you know. Right, uh, like vulnerable you know. and authentic. Authentic, People are really person. looking for people being authentic and vulnerable. Yes. 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 Absolutely. And you can feel it. So when you're on stage and just being comfortable, that's another way of saying just being present. Yes. Just staying there, you know, and not trying to be present with the audience. And, and actually, I don't know if you've ever gotten into this, but just having those really big, long, empty spaces <laughs> that most speakers, like I probably, if you said, uh, let's, let's now talk about the fears of things that could happen to somebody when they're on stage, like mm -hmm. a really long pause. <laughs> silence right <laughs> that would scare people even that are comfortable speakers right yeah. when you can get to the point where you're good with that yes i'm, I'm letting their silence be there <laughs> yes yeah that is like now you've you've almost you've almost transcended into another realm of comfort of just being comfortable with silence occasionally that that'll scare your audience more than anything <laughs> like wait a minute <laughs> Did he intend well, to stop talking? Yes. And they start looking at each other like, what's going on? I'm afraid <laughs> now because he's not talking. <laughs> you know, a lot of really great speakers, they use silence as a tool. Right. They are not afraid of silence because they know, number one, audience <clears throat> sometimes needs that little little break you know particularly yeah. if you're fast like i'm a fast talker if i'm speaking on stage i'm like da, 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 da. Yeah. and and i'm trying to slow myself down because obviously with my accent you, you don't want to speak too fast sure but the audience is constantly you know listening and so to give them a little pause is never a bad thing so don't be afraid of pauses but the second thing not only audience may appreciate it sometimes a pause is very meaningful. You may not even make it meaningful. You were not planning for it to be meaningful. You may, let's say you forgot something and you have to think about it for just like three seconds and you pause, but you continue looking at your audience. Your audience finds a meaning in that pause. Right. Thinking that you're emphasizing something and now they're like, okay, makes sense to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. So don't be afraid of those pauses. Um, and, and I particularly recommend pauses as a way to deal with filler 
words. You know, when people um, insert and, something and all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <clears throat> instead of yeah, exactly. So instead of saying that, like as soon as you, it's practice, obviously. But as soon as you feel that one of those words is about to happen, you pause. You just pause, and your audience is getting used to those, like if you speak like ah, this, yeah. they're yeah, not irritated. Tip. They're getting used to those pattern interrupts. They find meaning in them. And you were not planning any meaning. You were just stopping for a sec so that mm -hmm. you don't have to say that, whatever you were trying to say live. That's got to be hard. That would take practice for me. I'm, I'm a big ander ummer, I think. Or I'm, uh, most people, <laughs> most people but, are. But, you know, I noticed something about myself in a job a couple of years ago. So I was working in um, in a hospital basement. <laughs> yeah, so we were, uh, the, the DOD had this immediate sort of like need to get off of Windows 7 to Windows 10 mm -hmm. in um, like 2018. So for about mm -hmm. three months, I was doing this job, okay, swapping out these computers, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the point is, is I was in this unfamiliar office and I would walk out and I would always get lost. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to go left and I went right. Right. You know, and I was doing this like a lot, like too much. Right. I was like, <laughs> I would walk first, think second <laughs> and then turn around and go the other way. Um, so I, as somebody pointed it out to me, I was like, you're hilarious. You just keep doing that. And I'm like, you're right. I'm going to try. <laughs> now try. I'm going to try to think first and walk second. So that, that would be like, like, uh, something with the and and um kind of thing is like, yeah, I'm going to have to try, <laughs> try to think first, talk second. Right. It's almost like you're trying to catch them before they happen. So you have to really focus right. on them. But right. you know what? Having it's said that. Present. Right. Yeah. But having said that, let me backtrack. Dear listeners, if you have filler words, occasionally, occasionally, it's not a big deal. Yeah, Your everybody audience, does. Right. Everybody does. Your audience is not going to get hung up on them. Now, if you have a filler word in every sentence, that's and we know good. we've all met people like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you have a filler word in every sentence, you need to work on it. Now, that is non-negotiable. However, <laughs> if your filler words are, you know, sporadic, like normal people, you know, sometimes you use it, it's okay. Because remember, your audience gets used to the way you speak. You know, they get used to accent, right. for example, very quickly. Right. They get used to the way you structure your sentence or the way you, you know, the way you laugh, the way they get used to you speaking. Sure. And they get used to those occasional filler words. They become kind of like a part of who you are, of how right. you speak. And they're going to forgive all of that as long as your message is there. That's the most important thing. Yeah, if you your message coach is lacking. Like a, a good friend, you know, to, to tell you, somebody that you know, love, and trust to tell yeah. you. I had a, a college professor. I want to say it was in an art class. Mm -hmm. And she had what I like to call a vocal tick. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a tick. It was, she said, on it at the end of every thought. Oh. <laughs> So here I was on it, right? I mean, it was interesting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we none of us in the class got close enough to tell her, but we all started counting her on it with check marks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, some people have those, you know, and they just they probably just need somebody to tell them you know, very nicely. <laughs> very nicely and very nicely, very gently. But again, if it's in every sentence, every second right, that's sentence, a yes, yes, it's a problem. Right. But if it's once every five minutes, yeah, no I'm sorry. No, you don't need to stand there and be in your head trying to say on, on trying to say or not to say it. Like yeah. that's just gonna distract you from what you're there for. And right. the only reason you're there for is to, I don't know, educate, right? Inspire. Right. Transform. Make a difference in somebody's life. Whatever, whatever the reason for your talk is, you have to stay with that thought, with that message, with benefiting the audience. That's the biggest way to get rid of your fear 
is to take the focus off of you and your insecurities and being in your head with I'm not good enough. Right. And put all the focus on your audience and why you're there, what you're giving them. And when you focus on every sentence out of your mouth, making sure that it's geared towards your audience, it's structured in a way that will make it the easiest for them to understand and and believe in themselves or whatever it is, right? It depends what you're doing. Right. But when you're focused on your audience, you're no longer focused on your fear. When you're no longer focused on your fear, your fear symptoms disappear. It's right. very, very simple, but it's hard at the same time. <clears throat> but there is no mystery to it. No, you I get have it. To because shift the focus. My um my phobia story is way different than yours. <laughs> yeah. But I have a phobia and I've, I've, I want, I don't think I'm comfortable in it, but I'm, I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. So when I was, um, in Japan again, I, I found out two things. Okay. Have you ever heard of this, uh, vasal vagal sympathy, syncope? Anyway, it means, no. um, some people, um, have an extra sensitivity to certain neurological disorders that makes them pass out in mm. weird at weird times. So it's not specifically anything. It could be anything. So for me, I've had it mostly my, my phobia is based around getting on anything related to needles. Oh. But that was because of the scenario where I learned about the <laughs> phobia, uh. okay? So I didn't even know I had this thing until I got, like, when you're in the military in basic training, mm-hmm. they send you through this line, right? And there's, like, I think five people on each, um, five people in a row, um, like, left and right. So 10 people total, right? So mm-hmm. on each arm, you, you walk, you take a step. And then you get a shot on one arm and a shot on the other arm. And they take five steps and you get 10 shots, right? Bam, 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 bam. And then they make everybody go sit down for 30 minutes and sit down. I mean, we never sit down. Here in basic training in the military, they never let you sit down. (laughs) But this is the one time they make you sit down. (laughs) And they make you sit down because there's always a percentage of people that immediately pass out after that happens to them, right? And I was one of those people. Right. And and before that, I never had any sort of issue with needles. So it was a surprise to me. So it wasn't specifically needles, right? It wasn't Mm -hmm. the needle fear. It was a, it was a, it was a fear later with needles because of another traumatic experience we don't have to go into. But anyway, it was this condition, this Mm. basal vagal thing. My dad has it Mm. and I have it. It's like this genetic thing. Um, So another thing was um i had um ultrasound therapy on a shoulder injury right Mm -hmm. and then this so basically a therapist rubs this uh, wand on your arm for like 10 minutes or something and it's supposed to help your muscle and tendon Hmm. heal faster right it's ultrasound um and then they give you an ice cube a giant ice cube and then you're supposed to rub this giant ice cube where on that spot Mm-hmm. I passed out. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And see, so it's not needles. It's not necessarily, it could be anything, right? So the doctor was kind of like curious, you know, like a nerd, right? He's like, <laughs> why did you pass out? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I kind of do that. <laughs> And she says, okay, all right, so you're okay. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you can go look at my records. I pass out all the time. And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then she went and looked it up, and she's like, oh, yeah, there's actually documented cases where people with vasovagal whatever, Mm -hmm. they pass out sometimes when they they have this treatment. And I'm like, see, told you. (laughs) Wow. Right. (laughs) I know. So now when I get a shot, I have to, I have this sort of like ritual. I can't look at the needle. I have to look away and talk about something lighthearted and then keep my spirit up, basically talk myself out of the feeling and then Mm -hmm. I'm okay, you know, but I still have to do that. I mean, if I don't Uh. do that, I pass out. (laughs) My goodness. Flu shot every year is probably not your favorite. Flu shot is no big deal. You know, the, the, it's, it's because it's so quick. You know, it's just mm-hmm. zip, zip, zap, you know. Um, usually I, I lay down 
and I can't lay down now. So that's a thing that I'm going to have to <laughs> There's fewer and fewer places in my insurance that that have a place to lay down and get a shot. Yeah. So anyway. Interesting. Very I, I interesting. I digress. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> okay. So um, we should probably start wrapping up right about now because we're getting close to that. I don't know if you have a, a hard quit at 10 o'clock. I do not. We are good to go. Okay. So if you have any more questions for me, um, anything that can benefit your audience, I am happy to talk about it. Okay. Well, I don't have another thing until 11 o'clock. So we let's do a little bit more of your storytelling stuff. So what did you do after? Oh, actually, when did you move to the States? So in, in your 20s, right? Yep, I was in my very early 20s, so that was almost 25 years ago. Wow. And then did you go to school or did you start working right away? I started working right away, just doing some IT stuff, very low mm. end. <laughs> but yeah, I was I also, well, you know, you, you kind of want to do something right away because you're what in you a new money? country. Yeah. You want to make money. And, and I just graduated uh, in Moscow from the university, so I, I had my first degree, my bachelor degree. You had a comp and, sci degree? Computer science uh, It was degree? technology. It was technology. Okay. Right. But when I came to the U.S., then I got master's in computer science. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So then, so then my, you know, my, my dream and what I loved doing was coding. I was a software engineer. Wow. But, but, but it's a very happened. introverted job. It's a very introverted job. I know every <laughs> single software developer is an introvert because yeah. that's why you're a software developer. Right. You know, you have you really like good it. logic and you like to think right. about things and you like to be by yourself. Yes, perfect. <laughs> perfect. So, so I did that. And at the same time, I started working as a software developer. But I, it was interesting. My very first software developer job was with a very tiny company. I lived in Cleveland, Ohio at the moment, at the time. Yeah. And it was a tiny company where it was literally just two people, my boss and myself. And she would go and sell the projects and do some design on them, do some database design. And then I would code them. I would actually do all the programming. Wow. And what was cool about it? is I was working from home. I was out meeting clients. I was doing so many things that a normal software developer would not do. I was pretty much, you know, running the company as her right arm because sure. that's, that's, that's who I was. And that gave me such, such an itch, you know, such a desire to have my own business like nothing else would have. Wow. Okay. And I... I worked for a little bit longer, and then while I was still working, I started my first business, which was web development company. And nice. what was interesting, you know, a, a veer <laughs> right. in my way was that back then it was, I already lived in Colorado at the time, and it was a telecom bust. It was 2002, 2003. Times got really, really bad in Colorado, and my company, the company, well, not my company, the company where I worked. Right got purchased by a large company and I was offered a job in New York and or we were getting laid off. So basically it was like, you can go to New York, you're you senior enough where we want you in New York right. or we are letting you go. And so I chose to be let go because I really wanted to continue my own company. Okay. And so I, I went full time into it and I worked on it and I, I got such, I got so addicted. I started realizing that I am an entrepreneur. I am, this is what I'm meant to do. And, wow. you know, it's interesting because sometimes, sometimes people just know from, you know, from their childhood, mm -hmm. they just business oriented. They just want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And because I was growing up in Soviet Union, there were no entrepreneurs <laughs> right. back okay. there. Sure. You, it wasn't a, even a career choice. But right. it's funny that once I tried it, I realized this is it. This is what I love doing. So if you guys are, you know, if you feel this itch that you want to have your own business, then you need to at least try. You will always right. regret not doing it. Right. right? And so I, I was doing it for a few years. Then we had to move to Houston. And that's where I live right now because my husband got a job here. And I pretty much had to close the business because... It wasn't big enough where I could sell it and, 
you couldn't really transfer it because it was local companies that I used right. to work with. Okay. And so when I got here, I, I went back into corporate because it was easy. And as I was in corporate, I think I lasted, what, three months? <laughs> I, I just, I just couldn't. I needed to have my own business. Own At thing, that point, right. it was like, no, I, I, can't I know. Put up with this BS. I can't. I, I totally couldn't. And I was, again, I was right. at a high managerial position and I still was like, no, I, I'm bored out of my mind. Right, right. And so I got Everything out. I, so slow in corporate. It is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and if you've ever worked for government, then, even, <laughs> then it's even slower. Right, right. Because eventually I, I also worked for, I also had a government job. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I got out and I started another business and that was real estate. And I, I did that for a few years. Okay. And and then I, I just didn't feel that that was the right thing for me. You know, right. I liked having my own business, but not that kind of business. So sure. that business just didn't feel it was a good fit. And of course, right. you're like, oh, what will people say? Uh, you know, second business I'm starting and second business and I'm very successful at it, but right. I'm quitting because I'm not happy. Like people well, don't I get think, it. Like people right? that like to do like, um, I know there's a lot of people out there that just think it's the best thing and the easiest thing in the world to be like, a, what do they call it? Like a real estate investor. Right. Where they basically hire a team like a property manager and a handyman and la la la. Right. And they have like their six or seven properties that give them money. And to me, that just sounds like the worst job ever. <laughs> yeah. You no, know? and mine, right. mine wasn't even real estate investment. Mine was, I was a real estate broker. Just, okay. Oh, broker. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so, so that so was, basically you know. you're just doing deal, 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 deal. I'm, I was doing deals. I had some people that I was trying to bring under my umbrella and who right. kind of didn't work for me, but I was, you know, sharing my stuff with them so they can, right. so I can make money off of that, their work. But it just wasn't, Not a you good know. Fit. Right. Just wasn't a good fit for me. And so then I went back for the last time. I went back to corporate and lasted three years, very long stretch. But I, again, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. It just, <laughs> at that point, I was old enough and mature enough to understand that I'm really wasting my life. I'm wasting my life. Right. is slipping away from me every day. I'm, I'm coming to work and I hate every moment of it. <laughs> And that's when you go that. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's when you go like, okay, enough is enough. I know what I need. I know what I want. I just need to get out. Right. And so I started. I actually purchased a franchise. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, Nutty Scientists of Houston, which is a franchise for kids. It's a, a teaching kids science or basically doing hands-on activities with kids. And mm, that sounds like um, fun. And I was, you know, for the next few months while I was still at work, every lunch hour, I would get out and I would sit in my car and I would make sales calls and I would try to establish my business before I actually quit my job and started business full time. And by the time I quit my job in a few months, I actually had a full blown running business with tons of sales already in place. And within a year... I built it to be number one in the U.S. among all other Nazi scientists franchises. <laughs> I so, love that franchise. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so that was fun. And then, and, and that's, you know, and while I was already building that franchise and before that in the corporate, you know, I would always be presenting, right? You just present all the time. You train, you do things in front right. of an audience all the time. And people started coming up to me saying that, oh my gosh, you're so good at this. You're a natural. And I'm like, are you kidding no, me? Not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a natural. I'm as far from natural as you can only imagine. Right. But people kept on coming up and complimenting and saying, hey, can you teach me? And I'm like, wait a second. See, that's when Why you know. Why are they asking Yeah, me? when people start asking, that's, uh, that's, that's the no-brainer, you, right? That's you kind of know, oh my gosh, something that I always thought was just a thing yet I learned to do turns right. out to be my strength now. Yeah. But my strength is not being a good public speaker. It's because I overcame right. that fear. Yep. And you learned I, how to be comfortable up there. I learned it, right. And I right. learned it methodically because, you know, I'm obviously very left-brained. So I had like a system <laughs> around it, everything. Right. And so I, 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 I sat down and I thought, okay, if this is something that people want me to teach, how would I teach it? And then I literally had to sit for months. I spent months deconstructing everything sure. that I've done, yeah. putting, it, putting frameworks around it. You pulled your programmer it, hat and put that back up. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. I was totally a software developer back. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Right. You know, trying to make it repeatable 
Yeah. Systematic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that no matter which, exactly, thinking like a programmer, no matter which input you get in, you're going to get the same output. So no matter right. what kind of student I get, I can transform them into confident, compelling, captivating speaker. And so that's when the business, brilliant, brilliant, business, brilliant speakers academy was born. Right. And oh, nice. that's, that's when I started teaching students how to do this. So this was, you know, it's a very long story, but with no, a lot of, you know, room, room on veers. Lots of booming, lots of veering. That's, yeah, but, that's, that's life. But you know, it's, what's funny is again, I never grew up dreaming every night. Oh, I wish I was a public speaking coach. You know, this, <laughs> this just sometimes, you know, sometimes life is funny. And when you do those zigzags, when you do those turns, Every single one of those stops on the way, you know, every single job you ever had, every single business you ever built, they teach you something Oh yeah. that in the end, when it's all put together, makes you who you are and you realize nothing was wasted. It's true. Those jobs that I was seeing, you know, sitting at the computer, you know, bored out of my mind, dying every day, they, <laughs> they served a purpose. Also, they served a purpose. They also had something to do with who I am today. And right. so, so for those of you who are struggling, you may be at a job you don't like, or you may be doing a business that is not doing well. Maybe you're thinking of quitting. Maybe you're thinking of building another business. You have to give yourself this grace of knowing that whatever my journey is, there is going to be a point where everything I'm going through today is going to make sense. Yeah. And you just have yep. to look at it this way. You have to have this mindset of growth. I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> I'm going to do the most I can with my life. Right. And at some point, everything that I've gone through is going to make sense. Even if right now this doesn't make any sense, it will make sense eventually. So give yourself time to grow and give yourself time to make those mistakes. But in the end, you're going to be so grateful that you had this journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> See, the, the military, people don't realize just how good the military is at like... Um, Sort of like making you grow fast. Yeah. You have to be like, you know, like a basic training is like a, kind of a, a bit of a joke in the Air Force, right? But it, it helps, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really does help because it sort of like gets you ready for the normal version of the Air Force, which is, you know, it's like, here's this person in front of you who is obviously way ahead, you know, of you in any, in every way possible. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're more fit than you. Uh, they're more experienced than you. And you know, they're just more resilient psychologically than you are. Yeah. And they look at you and they kind of chuckle to themselves and then get into their character and start molding you <laughs> yes, into like something a little bit better. Right. And when you first get there, it's like a little scary because they're just being like assholes to you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. It feels like it. Right. 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 But really, you know, once you start learning some things and you're like, oh, so they've been playing this whole time <laughs> and I just wasn't in on the joke. Oh, you know, and then you start having fun with it, you know. Yeah. And you start actually looking forward to growing a little bit. But yeah, anyway, I digress it's again. Yes. <laughs> no, that's, that's a really cool analogy because it truly is, you know, and this has happened. It doesn't happen just in military, right? It right. happens in, in a regular life as well, where you're surrounded by people who may right. be giving you a hard time because they want you to grow. I think you get lucky in, in, in a lot of times, you know, not everybody had the same sort of military experience as me. I was lucky. I mean, I had a lot of amazing people. I had a mm -hmm. lot of not so amazing people too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and of just course. really boring, you know, people that weren't growth opportunities, but they were because, you know, everybody teaches you something, yes. whether it's on purpose or not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this has been a blast. So let's, uh, let's wrap up and talk a little bit more about your website, your business, and then uh, wrap it up. So how can people best get in touch with Victoria? I'm not going to try to say the last name. <laughs> <laughs> you did so well in the beginning. So you all, you already, yeah, you I'm already have tons of credit I'm for that. off stage. Sure, that's right. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but I would love to hear from you. So if you would like to work with me, you can uh, work with me through my program, Brilliant Speakers Academy. Uh, you can also work with me one-on-one -on -one privately. But you can read more about me on my website, www.byvictoriaL.com, which is B-Y Victoria L for Lesnyansky com. <laughs> Easy for and me to say. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a test in the end where everybody will have to say it now. <laughs> uh, and uh, I also have some really, really, really awesome free masterclass that I'm running, and you can register for it. Um, it's just pure gold. You're going to absolutely enjoy it. I talk about overcoming fear of public speaking. I talk about the steps you need to take. Very much action-oriented, okay? It's very much practice, uh, not theory, yeah. of steps you need to take to overcome your fear of public speaking. Oh, so you can, you can grab this. You can register for this masterclass. You can grab your spot at www.byvictoriaL.com slash four steps. And it's number four steps. Perfect. Victoria, this has been a blast. I could talk Thank to you for three more hours, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. We all have things to do. <laughs> Thank you. You have a good one. Take care of yourself. You, you too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double -E E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.